Howdy, y'all, and welcome back to another episode of Rolled Realms the Frontier. I'm Piper, your DM, and as always, we are joined by the wonderful Ellison agents, fresh off a lovely break from their missions. I'm so excited to be getting into this next story arc, which I've named the Fantabulous Factory. It's going to get zany, so let's not waste any more time. You all have received the call from director Andromeda Ellison. It's time for another mission. The sun has barely crept into the sky as the four of you meet in front of the simple two-story Ellison agency. I put a lot of syllables that I have trouble saying in this one sentence. It's wooden porch, dusty, but almost glowing in the dawn light. With breakfast burritos, hot bean juice, and whatever else y'all need to get your day going, you climb the steps onto the porch and enter the agency. A spicy hot bean juice. Thank you very much. My apologies. Spicy hot bean juice. Wait, is Fuck it yeah. spicy hot bean juice or is it just hot bean juice? Because this makes a difference to, to Mordai. Uh, mine has been spicy bean juice from the very beginning. So it hypothetically could be spicy cold bean juice? Yeah, that's not Ooh. the important part. The important <laughs> part is the spicy part. I'm basically drinking salsa at this point. <laughs> I'm drinking bean salsa. <laughs> That actually sounds delicious, but... Not drinking it. Everything it is else, al- sure. It is an alternative smoothie. I'm, I'm I drinking it with, with a burrito. Maybe I'm dipping my burrito in it, and it's just... Actually, this is making it less weird, which I don't like. It's spicy coffee. That's it. We're going back to basics. It's spicy coffee because I need it to be weirder than that. Well, I'm going to outweird your weirdness, and it, mine is also spicy coffee, but I'm also dipping a burrito in it. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> Oh, it's just a soggy mess of I, breakfast how, foods. You're not wrong. Also, Piper, how long do you think he's holding it in there? It's just a quick dip. It's not no, soggy. like a solid, just... like a solid three seconds of nope. junking. Okay, well, in that case, I fucking hate you so much. You're, that's you're also, my enemy. That's also what the vendors call that meal. It is just called a soggy mess. <laughs> it's like a garbage plate. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, the name's gross, but it actually tastes good. You all climb the steps onto the porch of the Elson Agency. Uh, vendors running by yelling, hot mess, get your sloppy hot messes here. I thought Mordai was supposed to be like the refined one of us. Mordai lives in a tent. Mordai appreciates <laughs> cheap things. Mordai has good. a last name. Thank you very much. That's very fancy refined last name. Yes, but like, also, I'm not the only person in this group with a last name. Rosalind Fairchild exists. And Rosalind two, Fairchild is also the fancy one. Like, and Blaise. also Blaze Barnsdale. I straight up forgot that Blaze had a last name. <laughs> the energy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this could have been an in-canon conversation. Oh, 100%. Yeah, you all run to each other in front of the agency and are having these conversations as you ascend into it. Forget beautiful narration. This is what's happening in this scene. <laughs> Um, <laughs> like Blaze, are you sure you have a last name? You just don't seem like a last name person. I very much do have a last name. I don't. Have I uh, shared that with you all? 
or yes it's been like i don't fucking remember it's very firmly established okay all right i was gonna try to pull a fast one but apparently not kind of pull the fast one on talon talon doesn't remember as you reach the door of the ellison agency you actually have to kind of force the door open there's something on the ground keeping it from opening smoothly when finally after a you know hearty push the door opens enough for y'all to enter uh, Andromeda's assistant, Simon, gives you a friendly wave and then grimaces as a groan echoes through the room. Covering the floor are candy wrappers, so many that you have to almost wade through them as you navigate the piles. To the far left of the room, you see Klaus and Ulrich in truly rough shape. Ulrich's belt is undone and the unconscious halfly stomach bulges grotesquely. Klaus's armor and face are smeared with chocolate. From his place on the floor, Klaus tries to cover his shame, throwing his hands up and saying, Do not look at me. I am full of chocolate. (laughs) Mordai approaches and asks, What the hell happened to you guys? Ulrich just kind of lets out a gurgle. uh, And Klaus just goes, That's gross. (laughs) uh, And Klaus just goes, she made me eat so much chocolate. It was for a mission, but it was so much chocolate. What kind of mission requires a person to eat chocolate? Simon kind of raises a hand and, sh- and waves it to get your attention. Just goes, uh, I think Andromeda can explain a little bit more if you want to head upstairs. Um, do you want what? some chocolate? Do you, we have no. Is we it have magic extra chocolate? Will it make me never be able to stop eating it? That's terrifying. Why would you offer me cursed chocolate? It, it's not cursed chocolate. We just had to go through a lot of it. Why did you need to eat it? And you see Klaus kind of turn over and just go, wait, yeah, why did we have to eat it? This was so much chocolate. And Simon just goes, Andromeda's upstairs for any questions. I have to go check on some things. And he walks into the room where y'all had your interviews and just leaves. He just gets out of there. Um, before y'all turn to go up the stairs, you see the, that same door open and Coyote walks out. She's holding a small folder in her hands and she looks completely fine. Like not covered in chocolate, not bloated, nothing. It just goes, oh, uh, hey, y'all. Um, I was excused from this mission on account of, you know, and she just kind of gestures to all of her and goes up. Uh, werewolf you know uh chocolate and me don't mix too well so um well i have to uh finish this paperwork for these two so uh she um kind of looks y'all she grabs um ulrich's hand puts a pen in it and like moves it across a piece of paper and then goes turns around to go back into the room uh talon her eyes do linger briefly on you before she quickly turns away and just shuts the door behind her in that side room I'm not good at handling social situations in real life. Why did I think it would be an okay idea to have a social situation in fictional? If it makes you feel better, she pieced the fuck out, so. Yeah. There's no situation. There's just the horrible pressing silence. Yeah. Piper, would this be a great moment or a terrible moment to improv the backstory that Mordai is allergic to chocolate? Live your truth, and that's—I'm not going to weigh in one way or the other. Live your truth. So, on one occasion, uh, Mordai ate some uh, spicy bean juice in a mole style and very nearly died. So, 
he found out that he is allergic to chocolate through that experience. Words cannot express how happy I am about this because <laughs> you don't know what you've done in this nope. story arc. <laughs> nope, me neither. This is going to either be amazing or kill me or both. It can be the two fact things. That you said that mole is a spicy bean juice has hurt, wounded me deeply. First of all, there is mole style chili. I know. It is delicious. Yes. <laughs> and you can make very spicy mole. So is chili just spicy bean juice? Have I been buying this? Have I been buying my spicy bean juice from No. Chili, chili is a beloved NPC. Holy! Yes. And spicy bean juice is another name for the, the substance in which he dwells. I, I, I dwell is a strong word. I think he stews in it. That's worse. That's a stronger word. <laughs> that is worse. Anywho. God, the the addition of spicy bean juice into this goddamn universe has actually made everything worse forever. Without further ado, you make your way up to the second story of the Ellison Agency, passing through the kind of work area where y'all technically have desks. You really haven't done much at your desks, but formally you have desk space. And you enter Andromeda's sparse office with nothing in it besides a couple filing cabinets that portrait behind her, behind the desk and uh, Andromeda sitting at a desk in the middle. As you close the door behind you, Andromeda stands up and just goes, uh, please wipe your shoes on the mat there, y'all. I'd really like to not have to clean up any more chocolate footprints off the floor. It's terribly sticky. What the hell is going on? Is that cursed chocolate? Is that chocolate cursed? No, it is not magically cursed in any way, though I have to imagine so it's not magically much cursed. It's scientifically cursed. <laughs> That's worse. No, That's that worse. is a thing. Talent, no, no, no. It is not scientifically cursed either, y'all. So it's, it's a different kind of curse. There's a third kind of cursed? What's the like, other kind of curse? Listen, there are like 87 kinds of curses, but we do not have time to run through them all right now. Can we go through the top 10? So it is definitely one of those 87, though. That's what you're implying. It is not any kind of cursed, okay? Oh, well, why didn't you just say that to begin with? Now I don't trust you. I was trying to talk about, like, it being a difficult thing to eat now because they've had so much, and so in a way it's cursed because of the psychological impact, but that's not, like, inherently cursed. cursed. So it's psychologically cursed. That's, like, 68th on the list here. It's cursed chocolate! It is not cursed chocolate. You could probably eat, like, Seven to twelve bars and feel mostly fine. I could not. So it's accumulatively cursed. So you could not. So uh, yeah, you know there are sign. There are magical. 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 I love it. Magical. <laughs> there are magically inclined scientists who believe that allergies are actually just very small forms of curses. So magical. in a way, you're right. More. Uh, uh, that is one of the smaller forms of curse that I have on myself, if that's true. But uh, yeah, I can't eat chocolate. Well, then you, you might want to take some care with our next uh, mission here, which the intelligence group, uh, Klaus and Ulrich in this case, were kind enough to uh, ensure that we were able to take on. Yeah, we saw them downstairs. Why did they need to eat so much chocolate? I figured that might be a question. Um, you may have noticed that those were all Gronka bars. No. Yes, uh, Gorbo no. Gronk, the... The manufacturer. You didn't and... figure it out at the very beginning, Leo. You didn't. I, I knew it, it was a Willy Wonka parody. I knew it was a Willy Wait, Wonka you parody. You understand that? I knew it was a Willy Wonka parody. I didn't think you would be so shameless as to just call it Gronka. <laughs> We've already no. introduced Gronka into the world when we were buying shit at the um yeah at that one general. Yeah, Gorbo Gronk's come up a few times. So 
Yeah, y'all are familiar with Gorbo Gronk, as I mentioned. We've been hired by a courier uh, to hold a meeting with Gorbo Gronk of the Gorbo Gronk company. Uh, the courier uh, runs some of the dispatch groups for the Gorbo Gronk industry, so delivering the goods to and from the factory out into the frontier here. Apparently, the uh, the town and the factory have a really good relationship, but according to the person who hired us, uh, the factory started using up a little too much water. Um, and they're a little bit worried, you know, if that continues, the town's going to run out of water outright. They've already had to put some limits on who can, you know, bathe at certain times and all that good stuff. So, you know, he just wants to uh, have someone go have a meeting with Mr. Gronk and uh, make sure he understands the usage and maybe try to work out a better deal with the town there. The reason why y'all are getting involved is because... Uh, Mr. Gronk, Gorbo Gronk, despite his name being on, you know, half the products you might see in a general store, especially those candy bars there, is pretty much an eccentric recluse at this point. The only way to meet him is to somehow get into the factory. However, luck just so happens that Gorbo Gronk is opening the gates to his factory for five lucky guests and their plus ones. And thanks to the valiant, noble efforts of Klaus and Ulrich, we have secured Two, that's right, two golden coins, enough for the four of y'all to get in and seek audience with Mr. Gorbor Gronk himself. So we just need y'all to take these gold coins. I don't care who's who's plus one, uh, figure it out amongst yourselves or something. Inform Mr. Gronk that the town is having some trouble with the water uh, balances and that they're worried the town will run dry soon and convince him to ease up on the water usage for the sake of the town. That's the job. It's, the difficult part is getting in. From there, it should be a breeze. Well, we've got the, the golden coins to get in. That's right, and I've washed them. One of them, they, you know, you have to eat the chocolate bar to find the coin in the middle of it, so it, it got messy. Uh, so oh, so that oh, um, so that's why the they were eating so much chocolate. You you rigged the system. I mean, it's not so much rigged as made them eat so much chocolate that they just statistically why, had a better you, chance. Like, just- why couldn't you just like so uh sorry sorry let me rephrase that let me rephrase that uh so you cheated again there no cheating was done also blaze why do you think sweepstakes like this exist the companies want you to eat so much chocolate that you have to find one from their perspective it's else an agency has done has done exactly what they were supposed to do uh see you you forget one thing this is this is way more important this is way more important. Why didn't you just start breaking apart the chocolate bars? Oh, uh, Morda, you hands. forget one thing, and that thing is that I am stupid. Oh, don't yeah. worry, I haven't forgotten. Yes, let's focus on let's focus on Blaze here, and not anyone else's oversights during this process. <laughs> I could have just like taken a hammer to them and, and and shattered a whole bunch of chocolate bars at once. Well, that just seems unless, like a waste. Course, unless, of course, the chocolate were somehow cursed uh, that you couldn't do that hear me out what if the chocolate has ghosts you say in ghost it? i'm gonna fucking kill you <laughs> and what if the chocolate has ghosts in it and it's ghost chocolate it's a curse not a not a ghost ghosts can do curses I, I yes they know. can two different that, yes things. they can curses if you will a ghost might be I a curse but they're they can't do curses Yes, they can. Anything when a ghost does not curse, really it's a called ghost. a grudge. Anyone can have a grudge. You don't need to be a ghost to have a grudge. Anyone can have a curse. Including exactly. ghosts. Exactly. Ghosts aren't real. 
I have literally summoned a ghost in front of your eyes, Talon. That, we all, that was a trick. That wasn't a real ghost. We agreed yes, on that was. being a trick. No, yes, it was. you didn't it summon was Grandpappy. Not a specific ghost, but it was still a ghost. It was an undead spirit. No, it was a trick. It was, you were doing flashing lights. Come on, I wasn't fooled. Mordai? Um, sorry. Andromeda's just been standing there, like, with the bridge of her nose pinched between her fingers. Just as... Understandable. If you have uh, summoned <clears throat> the undead, we may have to have an HR meeting between Yumi and Simon, who is technically head of HR here at the Ellison Agency. He wears a that lot seems, of hats. He does. That seems uh, not not um, very ethically sound. How so? Well, I just feel like the head of HR shouldn't have so many other responsibilities heaped on top. And there's like a, I feel like there's something about conflict of interest. Well, then trust me when I say there are not conflicts of interest. And let's just leave it at that. All right, because. Uh, there is okay. like a time you have to be at the factory by. So, questions? Okay. Well, then let's just forget about this HR thing with ghosts and uh, <laughs> let's go. Wait, I still need someone to clarify. Um, <laughs> oh, no. I have never had chocolate before. What is chocolate? Wait, you. we have like crates of it if you would like some. No, that's okay. I just want to know what it is. I respect this y'all's commitment to chocolate based character development today. But yeah. Uh, do y'all have any questions for Andromeda before taking off? I feel uh, like if we ask her another question, she's going to just murder us on the spot. To <laughs> hell with it. Just hire a whole new team, new campaign. And, and then you won't let us play anymore. <laughs> a whole new we'll cast. just recast us. As you all stand up to kind of depart, you know, Andromeda has given you all the information of, you know, the town you have to head to, you're going to take the train there, etc. Uh, she kind of puts a hand down on the table and just goes, uh, before y'all leave, before before you go, there's there's one more thing. That artifact y'all brought back from Iron Canyon. I don't know what that is, but that thing is mighty powerful. If you find, if y'all find anything else like it while y'all are out there on missions, I want you to bring it back to me so we can study it. Okay? Sound like a plan? Oh yeah. yeah. Good work, team. Uh, yep. Go ahead and take that train north. Your tickets have all been paid for. It should be nice and easy. I wonder if our train ride's going to be just as uneventful as our last train ride. You can certainly hope so. Uh, but yeah, y'all make your way through town. Uh, you make your way to the train station. No issues there. Hop on a train and you are headed north. The train departs from the Bastion Station, heading north along the foothills of the Star Reach Mountains. You go in the kind of frontier shrubland that surrounds Bastion, dissipates into the foothills and kind of the... And you're traveling along that border between the foothills of the mountain and where the desert begins. So it's, you know, either side of the train car, you see two very different scenes as you travel north. Would you say that we are on a uh, polar express? <laughs> um, you're on an express, no. but no. There, there is a distinct Would lack not. of poles. Just making sure there's no uncanny valley people on this train. <laughs> Wait, actually, um, I have another question, Piper. Uh, what time of day is it? Are we on a midnight train? Are we go where are we going? And is it yeah, are we going night? just like anywhere? No, you're going to a just very a small town, Gronk. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you are going to a very specific town and you're headed north. Like you're not going anywhere. So I don't know if that's this universe's version of that song. But yeah. Uh in your train car, you know, it's pretty it's not packed, but it's not empty either. There's just kind of folks sitting in various seats. 
there's a kid like running up and down the aisle um, who occasionally when the train hits a bump falls and then immediately gets up and keeps running, not having learned his lesson. Exactly what kids should be doing. That right there is a kid (laughs) in his natural element. Absolutely. As you watch him kind of fall again, he gets up and next to him in a seat as his child runs away is a young woman with red hair tied back in a ponytail, freckles splashed across her face. What's distinct is when she stands up to kind of stretch and kind of get, you know, a little bit of a crick out of her neck, you know, you've been on the train for a little bit at this point. You see she's wearing a white robe with a black hood behind it. And on the chest is the image of a black dog. Oh, quick question. Who among us knows that the whole grim thing is going on? When was that mentioned? What, what deal was that? Uh, we established that in one of the earliest bastion days that Mordai was a part of when I went to talk with cleric Michael Check. So yeah, there was... it wasn't what's his name rambling about it. So, yep, Daniel, yes. the boy who was shot under unknown means, mentioned Black Dog in his ramblings right before he got shot. Okay. But yeah, the Black Dog and the Grim have come up a few times, actually. Um, that being the biggest one, and then Mordai being that. And the conversations around the young woman who hired y'all to find her quote-unquote brother, which was obviously a lie at this point, her connection to it and kind of her worship of the Grim and the Black Dog. Yeah, but Mordai was the one who figured all that shit out. I don't remember exactly when it has come up another time outside of that, but I don't remember the details. Um, cool. It came, well, Mordai asked Claire, Cleric Check about it at the Blood Moon Ball. It came up then. I don't know yeah. if that's the time that you're thinking of, but. It might be, but so yeah. Um, and I don't know, Mordai, did you tell the others about the tower and at least that yes. aspect of it? Yes, I would have told them. Okay, so y'all are all aware of kind of what y'all heard in that episode about the Black Dog being a, Kind of well, in that case, group. Talon's busy being angsty. <laughs> yeah, you're, I, you I have your forehead against cannon. the window, watching the like landscape go by, being sad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, do y'all interact with her at all, or are you just continuing along the trip? Mordai will interact. Yes, Roslyn is going to keep an to, eye on it. Oh, I can't think of a way to like make a confrontation that's not like loud and noisy. So I just need a canon reason for Talon to not notice. El Talon is focused on that landscape. You're you're on the mountainside of the car, so you're just watching these like gray stone face go by, being like, "Life is gray like these rocks." Um, yeah. Next to you, Rosalind, you're like a few rows behind this woman, so you see the back red, you see that robe, but I think you can just kind of listen in without being seen at all. Yeah, I think Rosalind is going to listen in, and if anything funky starts to happen, we'll get up and intervene. Does this woman have a bag or luggage? Uh, she does. It uh, In the train car, there's like uh, racks above the seats where people can put bags. She has a small like backpack, essentially, uh, stored yes. up there. Your first step of human interaction just constantly put a spider in their bag. Yes. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. And before you do, Speaking Blaze, of which, I'm doing that. <laughs> absolutely. Before you do, Blaze, are you doing anything? To, are you joining Mordai to interact? Are you doing something else? Uh, no, Blaze is too socially inept. Okay, absolutely. <laughs> so Blaze notices, but just can't think of anything to do. Absolutely, yeah. You're going to stay seated in your chair then. Uh, Mordai, you get up. What are you doing? Is this, uh, how is this train car set up? Like, are the seats, is it like a, one of those things where the seats face each other and I could sit down across from this person? Or is um, it just? It's, ro- it's an aisle in the middle with two sets of two seats on either side, or with sets of two seats on either side of it. Okay. Um, all facing in the same direction. 
Um, so, so it's it, more like an airplane. Okay. Uh, it is. I imagine it like an Amtrak train where it's mostly that style seat, and then there's like a couple of like seats facing each other with tables in the middle scattered throughout. Okay. Then I'm just gonna walk up to her and ask if the seat next to her is taken. Absolutely. Uh, she looks up and just goes, "Oh, um, no, it's it's not. I sorry. Uh, w- w- would you like to s- sit down? We was your seat not? Yeah, of course. Please feel feel free. Yeah. Thank you. It's." You know, it's just nice to see uh, a fellow traveler. She um, smiles and just period. Goes, <laughs> period. Nice to see a fellow traveler on a train. Congratulations. No, no, Mordai puts some some meaningful emphasis behind the words fellow traveler and gestures at uh, the black dog that she is wearing. Oh, yeah. It's always nice meeting folks on the train. It's so much fun to travel, isn't it? It is. It is just so much fun. What's your name? Question. Does she do an eyebrow waggle or is she taking this at goddamn face value? As far as you can tell, she's just taking this at face value right now. That's so fucking Brilliant. funny. Brilliant. Um, yeah, Mordai sits down and asks, what's your name? Oh, my name? Uh, well, these days I mainly go by uh, Sister Finch. Sister Finch, what a lovely name. Sister, are you in the clergy? Uh, well, I, I'm part of the Order of the Black Dog. Uh, of course, I can see. Absolutely. It's been really wonderful. Have you, I think I might have like a pamphlet somewhere if you want to, if you want to yeah, learn more about it. I, I've heard about it. I'm intrigued. I've met a few believers, but I haven't been to any like gatherings. It would be really great to meet other people who are interested. Her face lights up. She like clasps her hands together and goes, oh, wonderful. You've met other believers. I feel like you, just, feel like you just asked a Mormon to tell you things about Mormonism. I did. I did do that. Um, also, there's a spider in her bag. I, so spin. I assume spin. You mean spindle? You're familiar. Yes, spindle is in spider mode and is crawling up. I'm torn on whether I want spindle to crawl into her backpack or her luggage. I'm gonna go. It's with, all. It's all one thing. She kind of just so has one. one it's one like large backpack essentially. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So she stands up and starts rummaging through her backpack to get the pamphlets, as she just ah. said she would do. So. I mean, I guess, yeah, I'm going to have to have you roll, make Spindle roll a um, stealth check. Okay. Uh, Okay, we're starting the rolls off in the middle with a 16 total, base 11. Yeah, with a 16, she's so excited. She's like, oh, I know I I have these pamphlets in here somewhere. Um, Oh, here we go. And she pulls them out, and they, like, scatter to the floor around her a little bit. Like, she goes, oh, goodness me. And some folks start to... Absolutely. Some other passengers do as well. And then she starts going like, oh, no, actually, you hold on to that. You you hold on to that. You keep that to the other passengers. And you see folks sitting down in their chairs, like starting to read them. Ooh, uh, and okay. she just goes, here you go. I'm so sorry. I'm such a klutz. I'm so sorry about that. That's perfectly fine. You don't need to worry about it at all. Um, so Sister Finch, right? Yeah, that's correct. Finch. Mm. Um, how long have you been a part of the Order of the Black Dog? Oh, not too long. About a... Uh... You see her like count on her fingers. Uh, about seven, eight months now. That yeah, it seems like it's really soaring in popularity recently. A lot of the people I I've met who got into it got into it very recently. Well, I mean, I think it's like anything. You know, it's we connect with the folks around us, and you know, if I tell five people and they tell five of their friends, suddenly that's she starts counting on her fingers again. It's a lot of people. It's a lot yeah. of people who know. 
So I, I think it's natural that for something as wonderful as the Order of the Black Dog, that it, it's able to spread so quickly and that it resonates with so many folks. Yeah, it's it's really something special. Um, oh, you're familiar with it? Well, I just, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert. I haven't like uh, read the literature yet. I've only, I only know about it in passing, but it seems, it seems really remarkable. It is. And she kind of slides the pamphlet towards you a little bit. Or no, sorry, you took it in your hand. I took it, yeah. Never mind. She gestures toward and just goes, oh, there's always a place to start with the literature. Yeah, thanks. Um, uh, beyond pamphlets, are there any like texts, I don't know, rules, guidelines, ancient scrolls, you know, some deities have these kinds of things? Oh, nothing that, uh, nothing that old school, no ancient scrolls. Uh, no, it's, um, it's mostly something that is spoken, that is shared with other folks. I mean, me, myself, I mean, I'm, she kind of looks around and smiles and goes, I'm actually, I'm heading up north on a mission, which is so exciting. And it was given to me by the Grim himself directly. I, through, through the high priestess, of course. <laughs> I see. Okay. Wow. That's really incredible. So where are you traveling from? Are you traveling from Bastion? Uh, yeah, I took this train from Bastion. Uh, I assume same as y'all. I don't think we... Yeah, yeah. It, ha- it hasn't made any stops. It's not like... Uh, okay. Wow. Well, I'd love to... I'm going to read this pamphlet over, and I'd love to, to find you guys and meet your high priestess and learn more about all of this. Oh, absolutely. We always love meeting new folks. Oh, it mm. is just so exciting to talk to someone so welcome and opening. Uh, would you like some right. extra pamphlets to take back? I think I saw you sitting with some folks back there if you'd like to. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you give me, give me like two or three. Mordai is also going to just spend just a little while telling a backstory of himself that isn't true in the slightest. He's going to spin a fake identity for himself on the spot. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, she has no reason not to believe you. Yeah. Um, Mordai so, yeah, you don't have to roll now, this Is now... Jimothy Memson. So is your familiar spider just because he likes spinning lies? I'm not going to lie, that is actually part of it. <laughs> <laughs> I was joking, but that's fucking fantastic. Absolutely. And Roslyn, from a few rows back, you hear all of this. You hear this like exotic lie that Mordai is making up with the name like Jim- Jimothy Mimson? Memson. Memson. Pardon me, Memson. Um, are you engaging at all, or are you still staying back and just kind of listening to the wind flow? Rosalind's making some faces, but she's still just listening. Um, like, I don't, I think your taste in fake names sucks. <laughs> hey, they've got me pretty Yeah, far. essentially. Okay, but Shloob Doobson, though, for hey, real? this is a world that contains Chili and, what is it, Gorbo Kronk? Are you going to tell me that Shloob Doobson is a silly name? Yes, Chili is an elder god, and Gorbo Gronk, it remains to be seen, but is probably also an elder god. At the very least, is a rich dude. Uh, Rich dudes can get away with way too much. But also, Shloop Doobson somehow has yet to die. So... (laughs) It made me so happy that y'all just You two are going to meet on the final battlefield. (laughs) I I fully expect Shloop Doobson to be the BBEG of this campaign. He is going to be Mm -hmm. your foil for the entire campaign. I'm going to have to kill him. Don't you're, kill him. You're building this up, and I'm so confident that, like, it's going to be one bad roll, and he's going to kill Mordai, <laughs> and just everyone's going to be so angry. <laughs> That's entirely possible, but one of us has to go. What a way to go. 
either the schloop dupes and goes or I do. <laughs> Blaze, Talon, are y'all just kind of vibing back there? Is there anything y'all would like to do while you walk? You, oh, I imagine you both have sort of heard this, given, but not if y'all were paying attention. For a given definition of vibing, Talon is angsting out. Talon would be writing poetry if she had a notebook and was confident in her ability to write. I'm not saying that she's illiterate. I'm just saying that she doesn't like writing. That's right. Would you share some of the mental poetry that Talon is thinking as the landscape zips past? Does poetry have to rhyme? She's thinking no. to herself. Oh. I know that I know that it doesn't. I've written lots of angsty poetry. I'm Talon has by. never written angsty poetry before and is going through the first level of just having angsty thoughts. Oh, I love this. Talon is thinking, does it have to rhyme? No. No, nothing matters. Why would it have to rhyme? <laughs> if it if it doesn't if nothing I'm feeling really matters, then why would it have to rhyme anyways? It's it should be raining. No, no, rain's too useful. Rain would be too nice. It also just like doesn't that's especially angsty because like it has not rained in the frontier. Just ever. You yeah. have never seen it. Yeah. Talon, I don't think Talon's ever seen rain in her life come to No, but it. she's read about it. She's read about it. God, that, that is so much more angsty than just wanting it to rain. <laughs> like not yeah, knowing the, what rain is outside of descriptions of water falling from the sky. And you're like, that would be perfect the, the for two, now. The two places she's read about it is in angsty poetry and in people complaining about trying to grow crops in the frontier. <laughs> so that's her two sources. It would be angsty. Well, why would it be angsty? Everyone seems to want rain for the crops. Why Why would that be angsty if it's a good thing? I don't understand. I don't understand. So that's that's where she is right now. She's trying to figure out if rain is a good thing or an angsty thing. Absolutely. What about you, Blaze? What are you up to in, on the train? I have a question for you, Piper. Is there a dining car? It's a train. Oh, no. Of course there's. This is a Vanson train. Like, there's gonna be a dining car, baby. I would, uh, yeah, Blaze is gonna make their way over to the, the dining car. Um, hmm. How do dining cars work on trains? Yeah, that's a good question. I, because I have a, I have a idea in mind, but I've only worked. So depending on the layout of the dining you car, you have to pay for it. Um, I'll go. Blaze doesn't want to pay for shit. Was it? Traditionally on cars, you would have to pay for it unless you were a first class passenger, in which case you would have like a voucher to cover your meals. Gotcha. Um, yeah, Blaze wants to steal. Yeah, as luck would happen, you're actually the car right behind the dining car. So it's right there. You can walk in. Um, I imagine you get up more. You watch as Blaze just kind of walks past and you're like, oh, is Blaze joining this conversation? And then they just keep going and leave the train car. Blaze, oh, um, I see this going on, but I can't think of anything to do, so I'm going to go steal food. <laughs> well, consider they are hungry. Yeah, and you're in the. Want to eat and don't want to spend money on food. Understandable. Also, has Spindle found anything in the bag apart from these pamphlets that Mord I should know about before we go on? Um, just real quick. No, it's mostly pamphlets, clothes, things, advent, like um, things you would need on a trip. Um, Toothbrush, toothpaste. Yeah, yeah, toiletries, all that fun stuff. I think you find a little box with like um, essentially business cards with a rune phone number on them. Ooh. Because like those are becoming more and more common. Um, Can I just get Spindle to to nab one in his little pincers? 
yeah. and steal one for me? Yeah, you you now have Sister Finch's uh, phone number. Sick. Congrats. Do you find a, do you find a rune phone in there, or is it just a number of the rune phone? It's just like a card with the number on it. You imagine she probably has the actual phone on her person. Right, oh. and I'm not going to have a spider actually crawl over a person. I'm not that evil. That's You're good not? to know. I mean, you're sitting I'm next to her on a, a train. Lot. You can talk with her. Also, she's very open. Like, this is clearly kind you of... You could probably ask her for her fucking phone number and she would give it to you. She would write it down on your hand if you asked. I'm sure she would, but it's more fun to steal, which I assume is why Blaze is doing it. And speaking <laughs> of, Blaze, you are Born in the I dining car. I will not bar. commit to the meat cute. It's very frustrating. <laughs> Blaze, you enter the dining car and you're met with the smell of slightly stale food, like not bad, nothing rotten. It's just kind of like, oh, this has kind of been sitting here. There's like a few booths with people just kind of eating meals. There's a long bar against one of the side and you see someone in a tall white chef hat cutting up some form of meat that you can't really identify from a distance. Um, Is there anything <laughs> that looks easily nabbable i want to want to look around i want to see i mean like i could just start snatching fries off people's plates but I want it's to just more red delicious apples it's just red delicious apples as far as the eye can see there is a basket I mean, with like red delicious apples in it there's also some like prepackaged like, ugh, i don't cookies. want red delicious apples no nobody wants, wants them it's just sometimes it's all that's stealable i mean sometimes it's just all that's there i have never stolen I think the things that are stealable in this car, basket of apples, prepackaged cookies. There's also a cash register on the bar um, that you can see. And behind the bar, there are shelves with like liquor and wine. Mm, gross. I don't want that. Uh, in that case, please wants to take just like a handful of prepackaged cookies. Just like how many people? There's just like four. There's like four are cookies. Are you going to be bringing your ill-gotten gains home to share? That's so sweet. This is how Blaze shows affection. Love language, stealing. That's beautiful. Go ahead and roll uh, stealth. Oh, boy. Which die should I use? Let's use the fan. A d20, ideally. Oh, no, I'm going to use a d4, because <laughs> apparently that's all my dice are good for. <laughs> Sorry, I can't do math. It's a 15. It's quite all right. I'm going to roll to see if the chef notices you. He has to beat a 15. Oh, dear. Blaze, you reach out to this um, kind of like little bin of prepackaged cookies like a kid who sees a candy jar open, just fist oh, no. reaching forward. And as your fingers touch the plastic of the pre-wrapped cookies, you hear a chunk as a knife embeds itself in the counter next to your hand. And the chef just goes, so you're stealing, huh? Uh, no, I wanted to make sure that these weren't oatmeal raisin because I hate oatmeal raisin. I'm not a monster. That's actually a really good lie. Fair enough. Thank you, Elle. It is a really good lie. I'm sorry. We've had we've had some folks with uh, sticky fingers. That that one kid literally has sticky fingers, and the child literally runs by you again, and you see huh. you can see leaving fingerprints all over this train cars. Exactly. You understand it. Now then. Yeah, I hate being sticky. Well, go ahead and finger through it, and you can see for certain that there are no no raisins in these cookies. Yeah, Blaze is going to dig through the uh, the cookie thing. What flavors um, are they? What kind of cookies are there? Absolutely. There is chocolate chip. There is caramel chunk. There is a mocha, espresso bean mocha cookie. 
There is, is oatmeal spicy? chocolate chip. It is spicy. And finally, okay. there is a snickerdoodle. That is indeed a good assortment. And now me, Goblin, is trying to think of another way to steal now that the chef has noticed me. It is like staring directly at you. And is also staring directly at me. And has engaged um, in conversation with you. And You're just in front of this conversation person. Conversation with me. I'm actually going to go look at my abilities here. Let's see if I've got anything. <gasps> oh, okay. I did just remember, however, I do have Mage Hand. So Blaze is going to say, uh, go, you know, uh, maybe... Uh, good, good selection here, but you know, uh, I think uh, I think one of my friends brought some some sandwiches, so I, I you know, I should really be be responsible. Uh, and they're going to walk away uh, from the you, cookies. Yeah, you just walk away, and behind you, you hear the chef just go, "Fucking sandwiches." <laughs> um. Yeah. Then I'm gonna cast mage hand. So, uh, so there's a spectral floating hand next to you. Yeah, there's a spectral floating. Or hand. sorry, it's a, like it can be conjured at a point within you choose within a range of thirty feet, so it doesn't have to be next to you. You can conjure it somewhere yeah. in the car. Well, yeah, because it I'm is the, not invisible. However, it is not. No, it is not. Um, I think for the moment I'm gonna like cast it like right right near me, and as I'm like I'm gonna like walk away. Not he's more than, he's looking at you. He can see well, the I've mage hand away by right this next point. To you. Yeah, if I've you walked, walked away, away, I'll have you roll st- stealth again if you want to do anything with the mage hand without being noticed. Yeah, because I, well, I actually know I don't care about this. Um, Blaze is going to after walking away. Where is this child of curiosity? Is oh, the no. child like running around the car? He's been running back and forth between different cars. Um, he is currently in this car. They're running back towards you. Great. Is he anywhere near the 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 cookies? Yeah. Of curiosity. He is. No, yeah. Great. Yeah, I'm gonna is. wait until the kid is near the cookies. And then I'm going to use my mage hand to knock the entire bowl of cookies off of the counter toward, like, into the car. Um, and then Blaze is going to go walk over to help the chef clean them up and pocket some. Absolutely. This kid is running back on. Whee! 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 The mage hand, as he went by, knocks the, the bin full of cookies down. And you just hear this kid go, oh! cookie shower and start grabbing them <laughs> off the ground before you even get there the kid is already turning and running back the other direction and the chef just goes you have to you have to pay for those you have to pay for those he grabs the knife off the counter and chases <laughs> after the child oh my god i was gonna like apprehend the kid but wow and, like escalated. steal the cookies off of him i guess but like the chef is going after him with the knife then fuck it. While his back's turned, I'm grabbing as many cookies as I can. Absolutely. Yeah, you can grab, yeah, just handfuls of cookies and take them back Great. with you. In that case, I'll grab like eight. I'll Actually, no, I'll grab uh, two of each flavor. That's a good good amount. Yeah, cool. That's like and, eight or uh, ten cookies. Quickly, I forget the flavors I said. Yeah. And quickly uh, dart back to, to the car um, where I will dump them all on the... No, I will not dump them all on the table in case the chef comes looking. Um, they're gonna be squared away in my my cloak, I guess. Um, I'm gonna sit down at the table and slide a mocha cookie to Talon silently, without words. Just push Talon it right, is, right in front. 
That's so sweet. Talon is dragged out of her depressing reverie in which she decide, has so far decided that rain would not be a good metaphor for sadness because everyone seems to really want it for all this whole cool crop nonsense. So, she, And if rain is a happy thing, then the dryness must be what's sad, which means that's the perfect weather for being melancholy, actually. And if anything, they should be going through a heat wave right now to really emphasize just how sad she is. And then she's dragged out of her reverie to see a spicy mocha cookie. She takes a bite and tears fill her eyes. And she just thinks, actually, no, heat is a happy thing because I love this cookie so much. So what the fuck would a depressing thing be? And then she starts crying while eating the cookie. Well, that is a normal reaction. I love the idea of Blaze out loud saying that to Talon in that moment. <laughs> Blaze would say that. It's I love the awkward support y'all have of each other. It, it brings me genuine joy. We're real bad at having conversations about our feelings. We are very funny though. So yeah, the best really of for when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Absolutely. As this happens, y'all feel the train start to slow down, and you know you are beginning to arrive to town, but you still have the chance. I'm going to give y'all kind of this one last opportunity. Is there anything else you would like to do on this train? Uh, Rosalind, if there's anything you'd like to do, let me know. Mordai, if you'd like to continue chatting with um, Sister Finch. Last call. I'm good. Oh, okay. At this point. Yeah, all righty then. The train gets slower and slower, and you hear the wheels start to screech against the rail as you pull into, once again, a fairly humble station. People begin to kind of grab their bags down off the railings. People are um, getting up, like dusting crumbs off of their pants. You, Mordai, you notice a number of people kind of folding those pamphlets up and putting them into their pockets. And as y'all move, you know, you know, in car, train cars, you know, you have to move to one end or the other. And there's that little vestibule that you then exit from. And y'all are waiting in line, the four of you all together. Uh, Mordai, you're in front with Sister Finch in front of you. She walks out of the train car. The door shuts. And then it stays shut for a moment on either side of y'all, just the four of y'all in this vestibule. And behind you, the other door opens. And instead of the desert, instead of the train tracks, it is a glowing ethereal light. And Armin rolls out, the armadillo. Armin! He wheels out and actually, Rosalind, bumps into your leg and kind of unrolls himself and just goes, Sorry, little bud. baby. As you unroll, you see a uh, letter kind of tucked in his belly, and he lifts up and kind of goes, and hands it to you, Rosalind. There's a J on the seal uh, closing it in. You pop that open and unfold a letter, and it's from old Joe. And the letter starts very similar to the last letter, just, hey, you kids, hope you're having a good time. I hear you're going up north to a chocolate factory or something. That That is just delightful. It's a sweet treat compared to some of your last missions from what you told me. So, again, you know the drill. I have a few errands that I need run, and ideally folks with thumbs can do it because I love Armin, but he cannot open doors other than the magic ones I send him through. So I have just a few things that I need y'all to pick up for me. Really appreciate it, as always. And as always, if you can get all of them, if you can get all three things, I'll have some tickets for you to get some cool items from uh, Marco. Here are the things that just keep an eye out while you're up there. I'm going to a bit of a soiree soon, and I can't find nice hats anymore. I don't know why Armin doesn't. Armin has terrible taste. He keeps bringing me trilbies. Don't know what that's about, but not a good luck for me. 
So if you find like a like nice formal hat or something I can wear to my little soiree, much appreciated. We're going to steal someone's hat. We're going to steal Gronk's hat. Oh, yeah. Uh, second, don't go telling anybody this, but I stock a lot of different things in my store, including some unique invisible items. I also happen to forget where I have put the invisible items. You can see where the problem lies. So if you can find something that can help me find these invisible items or see them so I can do proper inventory, much appreciated. And third, and all of a sudden, this kind of like very nice handwriting is scratched out by like a scrawling pen. And beneath it in a distinctly different and very messy handwriting is, and also never mind about that last thing, Instead, bring Armand a sweet treat because he's been a very good boy. Did Armand write Aww. that? Oh, yeah. yeah. You can you look at Armand as you read that last part out loud, and you see Armand just kind of go, mm-hmm, nodding like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. So it's a nice headwear, something to see invisible items, and a sweet treat for Armand are the three requests. Because he's been a very good boy. Because he's been a very good boy. Does Armand have any allergies? Uh, Armin looks up at you and just goes and kind of shrugs. Armin! Om nom nom. Oh my god, I'm gonna have to start doing research. You? He just shrugs again and and gestures the om nom nom and then goes, yes. Okay. Like big thumb, not thumbs up, but like upward gesture with its little paws. Okay. He he doesn't have thumbs. (laughs) I forget, does Armin like being pet? Oh yes, very much so. Rosalind is going to bend down and hold her hand for him to sniff as a sign of respect before she pets him. <laughs> Armin gives it a sniff and then just like face plants into your palm. And Rosalind is going to put her hand on his face and go, no, 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 rolls back up and rolls his way back through that kind of ethereal glowing portal. Train door shuts. Train door in front of you opens. The one to the side leaning into the car, there's someone like that also opens and there's someone just being like, that was so weird. The door wouldn't open. I have places to be. I'm a business person. And kind of pushes you out of the train. Grumble, grumble, grumble. I have business to do. I am a business person. Um, And y'all tumble out onto the train platform. There you see a man uh, holding a sign that says Ellison Agents. Oh, it's got to be for us. I think it's for someone else. Hello. (laughs) Hello. This man is a human man. Uh, The man is dressed in uh, denim pants and a light pink button-down shirt. He has a Burt Reynolds-esque mustache resting over a friendly face. Uh, And he smiles and kind of gives you all a wave, seeing that y'all are heading towards him. Ah, you must be the uh, Ellison Agents. Director Ellison sent me... Uh, message to let me know you'd be arriving today. Uh, yeah, we just made it. Uh, what's your name? Oh, pleasure to meet you. My name is Bug Scruggins. <laughs> Bug Scruggins. That's not my work, is it? Mordai asks under his breath. Not unless what you're my I? mama. <laughs> you're not, right? <laughs> no. Um. <laughs> he gives you just kind of a look over and goes, yeah, no, I don't think so. I just want to make it clear that next time I or Ward I come up with a stupid name, Bug Scruggins exists and is great. (laughs) 
the frontier is a wonderland of names. Uh, but I'm the courier that hired you, actually. Uh, I lead the team that's responsible for delivering Mr. Gronk's wares to shops throughout the frontier. Right. So what exactly is the problem that we're here to solve? It's to do with the water and the town not getting enough water, right? That's right. We share our water supply with the factory up in yonder mountains. Now, mm -hmm. we've had a harmonious relationship for most of our time here, but, well, lately, uh, we've noticed that our water tables dropped a little bit, and folks are starting to struggle a bit getting fresh water for, you know, drinking and bathing and making our delicious uh, fresh water milkshakes. A thing that I just decided he says. <laughs> okay. That's what we're doing here tonight. Well, maybe I want one. Well, maybe when you're done with, with uh, talking with Mr. Gronk, I can buy you all around as thanks, in addition to the monetary payment that I've already submitted to your boss. But basically, yeah. we really just, we've been trying to get in touch with Mr. Gronk, and we haven't been able to. So we're just hoping that you fine folks can get on up to him and let him know that the good folks in town here just would appreciate him being a bit more responsible with his water usage. Well, we can certainly do our best. So we have these golden corns that are supposed to get us in. Um, excellent. You were able to get some. That would have been difficult to get in without him. I mean, I've worked for the man all my adult life, and I've never even met him. I haven't even been inside that factory. Well, that's uh, just impolite on his part. Like, he should know oh, his no. employees. He is a wonderful man. He employs half the town here. And frankly, he brings joy and candy to the entire town? frontier. It's a company town? No, you guys uh, should really... It's not a company town, I want to be clear. It's just that a lot of people who live there do also work for the factory because- Okay, is. cool. So he's not issuing his own money, right? No, 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 no. Okay. Y'all are not going to be paid in like Gorbo bucks or anything like that. Gorbo bucks. No, what I, what I was, what I'm saying is that um, our first instinct should always be unionization. That is completely I'm sure fair. it'll come up. <laughs> just statistically, based on we'll our- We'll unionize our, uh, this town. Whenever we meet the water. I don't trust this Gorgo guy. And I think that everyone who works for him should be unionized. Well, I mean, I try to treat my employees well. I, I lead the team, so I, I try and give them plenty of paid time off and maternity leave and all that good stuff. Good, good. That's important. But you said you had the coins already, which is the hardest part is over. Now, it is nearly 10 o'clock, which I believe is the time you're supposed to be there. Oh, um, you better go over there fast. Well, yes, I, I, that is why I'm here to meet you at the station. I will lead you over to uh, uh, the plaza. Wow, I did not write the name of this town until this moment in my notes. It is called North Point. Okay. I knew I named it, but I didn't know where that note was. Bug Scruggins leads, you, uh, leads the four of y'all through the streets of North Point uh, until the buildings begin to spread apart to allow space for a massive plaza at the base of the mountainside. People are gathered, and it's, it seems like the entire town has come out for this chance to glimpse Gorbo Gronk himself. On the far side of the square, a large golden gate blocks off a station of some sort right before the mountainside climbs into the sky. Sitting embedded into the side of the mountain above you is Gorbo Gronk's fantaculous factory, large smokestacks rising from it, releasing rainbow smoke into the sky. Yep, it sure is a sight to see, isn't it? I bet the inside is even more incredible. Most folks here have never seen Mr. Gronk himself, myself included, but people say his eyes sparkle with pure magic and that he can turn sadness itself into a candy delight. Uh, at that point, Blaze is going to turn to Talon and give her uh, an elbow and a, a knowing look. 
If only that was something that magic could actually do. I mean, we all kind of know what magic does. Like, this isn't some well, universe where magic doesn't exist so you can just make what up whatever you want. Like, magic well, exists, it has rules, it does certain things. Well, you know, tell him you don't seem to know what magic does because you don't seem to I get absolutely ghosts are real. They aren't so, real. You just, like, did illusion shit. Illusion shit is magic, ghosts are not. Duh. I literally conjured the undead. Listen, I can I, do that. I I'm sorry. That I can make it a zombie I, next time. Would a zombie be real enough for you? Well, a zombies are real. Ghosts are not. I don't understand why you're having trouble with this. I mean, you're you're a magic guy. I think y'all continue this conversation as you push your way through the crowd. Bug Scruggins in the lead. Um, until after a few minutes, some definite kind of pushing, or I think in Talon's case, just very gently lifting and moving people to the side. Um, yeah. You arrive at the front of the energetic crowd. Gathered at the gates is a group of four people, a halfling dressed in a comfortable off-white shirt, a dark blue bandana tied around their neck in a silver sheriff's badge pinned to their breast pocket. They're barefoot, and you see tufts of soft fur on the tops of their hands and feet that match their unruly brown hair tucked under a dark blue cowboy hat. Next to them is a tall bugbear man with small round glasses, a tightly fitted white shirt with a black vest and a narrow tie. As you approach, you see him writing down notes in a tiny notebook before smiling down at the halfling and letting out a small laugh. The other pair of people standing slightly aside from the halfling and the bugbear are two dragonborn, no more, one no more than 10 years old and one clearly pushing 70, both in simple dark pants and red tunics. The little boy runs around excited, face slightly smeared with chocolate as he looks around with amazement. The old man seems happy for the boy, but a little tired. Now, is he tired because he perhaps spent the last, like, I don't know, 10 years in bed, unmoving, only to suddenly get up at a chance to consume chocolate in a factory, perhaps? Maybe he has his own dance number? I'm wondering if we should introduce OSHA regulations to our campaign in addition to unionization. Oh, we absolutely have to introduce We would not OSHA. get anywhere in this arc if we introduced OSHA violations. I think it would be funny to try and take all this fantasy nonsense and start introducing OSHA and, and unionization to every single thing we come across. I will start going through OSHA regulations. As y'all approach this group, the halfling kind of turns to face y'all and just goes, well, howdy, y'all must be the other winners. Pleasure to meet y'all. Name's Jinx Aoife. Sorry, that's Jinx Aoife? First name Jinx, last name Aoife. Hi, Jinx. I'm going to give my real name and see how that goes for me this time. I'm Mordai. I am one of the other winners. And this is Talon, my plus one. Well, pleasure to meet you. This here's Peach is my plus one. And they point up at the bugbear, who just looks down and goes, pleasure. Peaches? Peaches. Peaches. Peaches the bugbear and Jinx the dragonborn. Uh, Halfling. Halfling. Halfling, excuse me. Yeah, so you've got Peaches the bugbear, Jinx the halfling, and then there's two dragonborns, the old man and the young child. Okay. They do actually do kind of awkwardly walk over, and the old man just goes, oh, hello. Nice to see other... I'm surprised there aren't more children, but... Well, yeah. uh, I am a child at heart. Good to know. Maybe my little Uta will be friends with you. Oh, I don't think so. His name is Uta. Yes, my child's name is Uta. Oh, hold on. 
Is Klaus also a dragonborn, or am I yeah. misremembering? Okay, Klaus so are all, so are all dragonborns German? All dragonborns are somewhere in that swath because Apolline Accord is also dragonborn. That swath, right. the accents I've been trying to use for dragonborns are that like German Swiss into French, like that region. Gotcha. Okay. The Sprachraum. Exactly. Um, specifically the Sprachraum. Yeah. Don't know if Wie I said that right. You are yeah, pretty good. Wie geht es Ihnen? How are you today? Oh, I'm doing well. And, and the little boy goes, Great Uncle yeah, Mo! You- Great Uncle Mo! This is so wonderful! This must be your, your Uter. Yes, this is my Uter. We're very excited to go see the factory today. He, he called you Mo. Is that your name? That's right. My name is Great Uncle Mo to little Uter. You can just call me Great Uncle Mo. <laughs> your name is Great Uncle Mo, and I can call you Great Uncle Mo. That's perfect. <laughs> oh, and who are you, young fella? Uh, my name is Mordai. I'm one of the winners. Uh, uh Yeah, it is a little surprising that um, the winners seem to be largely adults. But I guess what it boils down to is that children don't really have the pocket change to go through chocolate at the speed you need to go through in order to win, you know? But I have a love of chocolate in my heart, and that's how I won. Yes, I'm quite sure you didn't simply get lucky. Heart of the chocolate! <laughs> you believed in the oh heart of the chocolate. I hate it. Why? I love it. I love why it. do you hate me? I will send you to the shadow realm. Does that count as a threat? The <laughs> do you dark mean the chocolate, chocolate realm? realm? <laughs> the dark chocolate realm. Oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, as y'all continue your little meet and greets, having met the other four contestants, a loud horn signals above you. And with a mechanical clang, the gates begin to open. On the other side, there's a golden gondola lift attached to cables leading up to the factory above. A woman, you would guess, human and in her late 30s, dressed in a white blouse with a purple skirt that has a shiny silver trim along the hems, uh, steps out of the gondola and waves to y'all. The roaring crowd behind you actually grows a little bit quieter with confusion. And you do hear one person go, Hey, wait, that's not Gorbo Gronk. The woman clears hey, How do you know if you've ever seen him? Touche. And then the crowd starts cheering again because <laughs> they're all very confused. Um, like, you know what? Maybe that is Gorbo Gronk and we should respect whatever Gorbo Gronk has going on. The woman clears her throat as she approaches you and goes, Well, hey there, folks. My name is Carol. I'll be taking you up to the factory today. Wait, you, there are supposed to be five winners with their plus ones here. I, I think we're one dish short of a potluck now, don't you know? Right, there's Uter and Great Uncle Mo. There's uh, Jinx and Peaches. There's me and Talon. There's Rosalind and Blaze. Who's the fifth? No sooner than the words leave her mouth than you hear a commotion behind you. People in the crowd are diving out of the way as a carriage comes bolting down through the plaza. We see a young elven... (laughs) Yes. We see a young (laughs) elven man (laughs) dressed in a light blue robe stick his basically entire upper body out of the carriage. Like, waist up is fully outside of this vehicle as it swerves to avoid people in the crowd. He puts his hands to his mouth and goes, Hurry, Rutherford, hurry! A ways behind the carriage, running through the path it created, is an identical young elven man sprinting along. As he runs, he yells back, 
I'm coming, Bartholomew, I'm coming. The carriage oh God, screeches to a so halt. And the elf inside falls out of the window. Ofer, the instructions were very clear to be on time, you two. Now, come on, let's get you all inside for the tour there. I don't know, shouldn't we? They weren't on time. Can't we just leave them here, please? No, 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 no. We have to break We them. hadn't gone in yet. It's fine. Excuse you. We have tickets just the same as the rest of yeah, you. Yeah, but the tickets don't mean anything if you aren't on time. <gasps> don't you mean the coins? <gasps> yes, the coin tickets. I've got the golden ticket coin. Oh, you heard the song we were singing. Delightful. Rutherford, she heard the song. So uh, you said your names were Rutherford and Bartholomew? That's right. Rutherford and Bartholomew points at Rutherford and Bartholomew and and Rutherford points at Bartholomew. They are identical elf twins dressed in the exact same outfit. Carol quickly gathers you all up and gestures for y'all to climb inside the gondola. You take the golden coins and there's actually like five coin slots embedded into the dashboard. And as you each put a coin in, it clicks and glows slightly until once all five are in, the gondola lurches forward. The gates swing shut behind the vehicle as a cozy and comfortable gondola jolts forward and descends the mountainside before disappearing into Gorbo Grog's fantabulous factory.